0: You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KCCZLP Conroe and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com.
1: Happy Monday! Welcome to Dick and Skippy in the morning. I'm the aforementioned Skippy. With me, as always, is Dick the Dick Meister. Thank you. And it been Monday morning on a slightly overcast Monday morning in Conroe, 85 degrees. We're gonna break 100 today. Uh-oh. Wow. Uh oh. Uh. Sunshiny all day, moonshiny all night. Uh, same thing tomorrow. May get up to 101 tomorrow. Uh Lowe's in the mid-70s, but Wednesday and Thursday, they might actually cool it down with some thunderstorms. I wouldn't mind that. A little little coolness, a little little uh yeah, wetness, yeah. It's been hot. It's hot. it could be worse. It could be humid too.
2: It's a little bit of everything.
1: A bit of everything. So I, I heard a great uh analogy. If you want to know what it's like living in the Houston area weather-wise, take a hot shower. Don't dry off. Get dressed. And that's uh that's what it feels like. I always
2: like those moments when you have the two-minute walk to the car, and when you sit in the car, you're like, am I perspiring already? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, great.
1: We just Today's going to be wonderful. We need body spray. You know, I do miss, back when I was growing up, we had spray deodorant, and, of course, that was killing the ozone layer, so we, we got rid of it. Uh, but they need deodorant body spray. Axe doesn't count because that's kind of a, a cover-up thing. You, you need yep. to basically for still climbs like Houston, right? You need to uh, we need to have antiperspirant for the whole body. That's
2: wonderful. Did you have a good weekend? I know the Montes were this weekend. I
1: did, and I, I got to do this on the air. I apologize. At some point in the weekend, you sent me an invite to come over to the pool, but it was so crazy I didn't even get it like to like six hours later. Well, I didn't realize the I forgot the mines were on there, and I
2: invited like you know Rick and everybody, and I was like. Oh, they're probably all at the Monty's.
1: Nah, Rick didn't show up. He, so. he, he, I don't think he was nominated for anything. So he's a, you know, he cried and licked his wounds and yeah. went sulking away with his tail between his <laughs> legs. <laughs> no, uh, but my niece was in town, down from uh, Maryland. Yeah. She's getting her master's at the University of Maryland. She's big in theater. In fact, she, it's costume design. She's getting her master's in. So she attended the Monty's with me and Mrs. Skippy. And it was fun because the Misses she did the red carpet live Facebook. Um, what are you wearing? Interviews thing, so that was kind of fun, and I had the honor of being the announcer, so I got to do all the commercials and the, you know, welcome the presenters. It, it was a it was a fun filled night. Um Good. Not too many surprises. Uh, Wait, uh, let me let me
2: let me ask you this. I was thinking about this. Okay. Monies. If people don't know what we're talking about, uh, there are. Two playgroup, uh, community playgroups in Conroe that put on like what total of 12 plays or like 10 plays. Oh, no, 16. And then CYT usually there's eight shows Christian a season. New theater does like two or three uh-huh. a year, and then so basically they have their own Oscars or Tony's or everyone to compare it. And uh, and this is the question I have for you, Sean, because you've been involved for so long in the, the theater. Like, I feel like again, this is like everyone just patting themselves on the back. Like, only, oh, it's
1: incredibly self congratulatory.
2: Only, only people that go. Are people who are in it basically? No, like, actually, I was surprised you, at the sheer that?
1: number of people that showed up for support. Support, yeah. Uh, it, it was very nice to see a lot of pe- a lot of people. Uh, there were only twenty four categories to be nominated for, and uh, there are at least there were about twenty shows that were up for nominations. Eight. eight well, there's a lot the- of shows. Right.
2: And I can't imagine watching all of them. And not having any type of fatigue after a season of watching. Because that's how it works. Like, they give, like, a, what, a 10 people? 10 people have to go see every single play, and then they judge it. Those right, 10 they have, they have some judges. Or, and,
1: and, you know, there are, it's like the, uh, the Oscars. Uh, the people who choose awards in the Oscars, and this is ho- hopefully something maybe next year the Monty's want to look at, it's if a movie's up for best sound design, for right. instance... They give professional sound designers the duty of you watch these movies and you pick from these movies the best yeah. sound design. That's it. If there's cinematography, okay, you cinematographers, you look at these movies.
2: But then everyone gets a vote on best picture.
1: Yeah, best picture and best actors. And and so same basic thing. It's and I'm not, you know, making any big comment on this. I'm just thinking things that might help for next year. Uh there may be someone who goes to judge a show who has absolutely no knowledge of what makes sound design, oh, lighting yeah. design,
2: whatever. Well, especially with the facade of an entertaining play, it's like the whole thing was great. Everyone gets high scores. and you're That like, was
1: funny. There, there were situations where you had a, a lead acting nomination. You know, there were four nominees, and three of them were from the same show. It's like, I don't know, by definition. Well, I feel like
2: there's one, like if they did Three Men and a Baby... When all three of those actors get lead actors, quick name all three. Uh, Tom Selleck, uh, Ted Danson, and the guy from Police Academy. I don't know. I forget his name. So
1: he gets featured. He doesn't <laughs> get lead. Okay, but Ted
2: Danson and uh,
1: uh Steve Guttenberg. Was they, was, uh, oh, Steve Guttenberg. That's what yeah. right. The go- the Goots. Right, but and same thing. You look at a movie like. Star Wars, you know the first one. Oh, that would be. You got Luke, Leia. Oh, that'd be hard though. I don't because this. I guess what it
2: comes down to is there like an actual formula, like how many lines they had or screen time or. Well, is it more
1: sort of of kind of yeah? But think about it. uh, In Superman the movie, the nineteen seventy seven or
2: seventy eight. Oh, what was his name? Got nominated.
1: But here's the thing: Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman were above the title. Christopher Reeve, who was the titular Superman, wasn't a lead actor. Yeah. Marlon Brando, who had, like, six minutes of screen time. That
2: was negotiated.
1: Well, exactly. And, you know, same thing with, uh, did you hear the thing about The Towering Inferno? It was the birth of staggered billing because you had Paul Newman and Steve McQueen. And Steve McQueen was adamant about, he had the exact same number of lines as Paul Newman. Yeah. You know, he would go through the script. And they both demanded top billing. And since there were two production companies dealing with this, because they bought the rights to two different books, The Glass Tower and The Inferno, and they mixed them together in this one movie. And so what they did was uh they staggered their names, you know, starring and where it were left to right, Steve McQueen's name was lower left and Paul Newman's was upper right, so it looked like he was on top. But if you read it left to right, then he's first. So it's called staggered billing, and that was the birth of that. So with you know, they're always ironing things to, to, to work out yeah. on an award ceremony. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's got to be a
2: play that involves all equal league lead actors and actresses. There's got to be.
1: Well, here's the thing. For instance, you know, I was recently in a production of 12 Angry Men. Okay, you got 12, they're all on stage at the same time. So surely they're all. No, because there are three that get like the lion's share of the line. Yeah. So, you know, you can't have them all be leading that being said of course it's self congratulatory but the thing that separates things like the Montes from the oscars nowadays is there's no it, it didn't pretend to be otherwise they, they don't throw in pseudo political messages and protests and you know wear ribbons to show you know stop this or that it's just seriously the the local tuxedo rental yeah. places been get sold sometimes. out for the night
2: but i was always wondering how they're able to because when you get, results are part of the program so they want to see who won. And I always laugh cuz I was just a golden ticket holder and I'm like I can't believe they let me do this because I know very little about And that's uh, about again it.
1: that's just something that could
2: be I mean I do know I do know a little bit about audio design. Uh-huh. I do know a little bit of that. And then like if I hear pops and stuff I'm like all right, clearly they didn't. Right, or
1: if there's an imbalance, I mean, I'm not saying that if you don't, if you're not a professional sound engineer, you don't know the difference. You can hear, yeah. but but it helps. Now, all this being said, I got to give a shout out to Marita Kilgore and Denise Schmidt because they were the two ladies that Put spearheaded yeah. this whole thing. And I mean, we're talking from the the huge so lettering like, on the set to the do, band. Do to you the, get like a Groupon or something when you win?
2: Do you get like free nope. food at Bean you, Coffee? You or get something?
1: the. Special Monty Award, which is designed by Craig Campobello himself. Yeah, it, it looks beautiful. really cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, now you can also get a plaque. You can pay extra for a plaque. Go on.
2: What do you mean to extra?
1: W- everyone gets the award for free. You know, if you win the award, you get it, you take it home. But if you wanted something for your wall, you can for small – they just started this because it's expensive to put these together. If you're a nominee, you can buy oh, a T-shirt. Oh, for a
2: fundraiser. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like – Wait a second, why would you want so a plaque So
1: I, I I was very honored to have won money a couple of years ago. I may spend the 10 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever it is, to get the plaque just to put on the wall just because I'm egotistical like
2: that. Yeah.
1: But they, these two ladies, and a lot of other people did. Judge Kathleen Hamilton was one of the co-hosts, mm-hmm. and she was just a hoot and a holler. I, I love her very much. Uh, yeah, there were Beauty of Life theaters. And if it can go wrong, it probably will, and there were a couple of hiccups, but on the whole... Would you have given the
2: Monty Awards a Monty?
1: Ooh, that's a well, here's the thing. There's no, a joke. The, yeah, the whole point behind the Monty's is you put up at least two theaters against each other for competition. I'm all for well, healthy competition. Well, now CIT's in it now. Yeah, yeah, now three, and I think they actually they should expand more, uh, in my humble opinion. There are Shakespeare festivals, hint, hint. Well,
2: what, would you, what would you give a category, like a one-time show kind of thing?
1: Yeah, well, here's the thing, the judges go to one show, so it doesn't matter if it's up for four weekends or one night, it's a show
2: fair enough
1: it's like uh now you can't have a separate category if you want like festival show or something but you know the things that are going into the Woodland Shakespeare Festival are the rehearsals or the costumes or the lighting or the sound or the direction so you know the same things that any other show just happens to be one night
2: and how about the shows at Johnny B Dalton's
1: Shows at Johnny B. Dalton. Uh, yeah, they
2: have a DJ. They have audio. I think there's. Oh, there you go. They even have swimsuit contests. So that's a show. Well, I
1: think they should throw radio have no shows. What they have. they should just... throw radio shows on that because we have two radio stations in Conroe. Yeah. We well, have, no, there's we not, have...
2: There's there's more than just two. Right, but I mean, but...
1: we have us and we have the other the other one. Taste. Star. Well, there's
2: other ones. There's a Christian station somewhere. True,
1: but it'd be good to add. I don't know what they play though. Probably Christian music. Yeah. But if they wanted to expand, because Monty, of course, is short for Montgomery County. So I always wondered about
2: it. Christian radios. Is like There's only like a couple books you can kind of base stuff on. So like you're running out of material after like being open for 10 years.
1: Well, we had a Christian bookstore in the Woodlands called Lifeway. It uh, took over an old Pier 1, Yeah, and they, they recently shut down. And I was looking at it seriously to put my theater in there, but someone beat me to it but uh, yeah they're well you know a christian bookstore you sell all different you know from candles to, to cd's to records. I'm talking know. about radio station oh radio station oh, well cuz there's like if it's all talk cuz you radio. have i think you have the word in uh 11:10 uh, a.m. Houston i think is the word and so you can go inspirational it's like any talk show you know if you have a conservative leaning uh, radio station you get your Hannity's and your Limbaugh's and, and mm-hmm. the, your Berries. If you have a liberal-leaning one, you get your, you know, your others. So there's a, there's always material. Well, you're going to go for Imani's for next year? Well, next do? year I I feel I get, like you
2: got the game. You know the game, so play it.
1: Well, next year I actually— uh, I'm not slated to direct anything up here for this next year. Okay. And I don't anticipate auditioning for anything. So if that's the case— this this upcoming year, I won't be in anything to be nominated for. So you're trying I'll to say able to you could be the show. a judge. Oh, I could be a judge, or I could just sit and enjoy the Monty awards. You know, to sit yeah. and, and enjoy it. I, for three years now, I've been the announcer. Uh, wouldn't you know? If they want me again, fine. If not, I'll be happily sit in another row because you got to buy the ticket no matter what. And again, fundraising doesn't matter who you are. If you go to the Monty's, you buy a ticket. Everybody, so. And I'm not complaining about that. It, it's what it Only is. It's all nonprofit stuff. Yeah, well, once you on. start kind of comping stuff, it it can run away well, pretty quickly. Get a statue
2: or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that thing can hurt somebody. <laughs> that could chop off a toe that fell off. Like that, that can.
1: There's there's some edges to that so. thing. But it's well, I'm glad you had a good design. time. It, it's yeah. Uh, my niece was in town, and she came, and uh, since she's in costume design, she went full kimono, Japanese kimono in style, um, and. Uh, she probably bought it from Danny's. No, she made this one. Uh, and then we went to House of Pies afterwards, and, of course, everyone, all the waiters are gathering around her. Hi, who are you? So that was fun.
0: No
2: cultural appropriation thing? Well, yeah, it's funny.
1: We, we had that conversation because my niece, uh, whom I love unconditionally, is incredibly liberal. And we so we had some conversations. Uh, you know, every time, you know, her emotions got high, I'd say, listen, you know, because she's like, we need to fix these things. I'm like, yeah, but if two people who are related to each other in the same room or the same car can't talk rationally, then no one can. So mm-hmm. let's. And so we had some good conversations, but I did point out, so, you know, does this count as culture appropriate? And, and she's like, absolutely not that stupid. You know, she knew about, remember, we talked a few months yeah. ago about the gal that wore the Chinese dress to prom. I don't really know. Well, because well, there's a society where the same group of people who scream cultural appropriation also say you can literally, if you identify yeah. as a black woman, you get to say you're a black woman, as Rachel, what's her name, did, the uh, the head of that uh, United oh, Way the, organization. No, she's head
2: of the NCAA P chapter. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. There's a documentary on Netflix with her, and it's really bizarre.
1: I, I've heard about it. I've it's got to watch really it. It's really bizarre. I, I just, I have to point that out that oh, it's one or the other. Either there's appropriation of anything or you can be, or identify with whomever you want. Okay. I'm actually for the latter. I don't. Uh, of the two, you know, I want to be able to, if I want to dress up like cowboys and Indians, whether I was eight years old or at my current age and have a special night with, with the wife, I don't want to be, saying, Oh, you're appropriating this. It's, it's makeup. It's, Costuming is make-believe, and it, so forth. I, I'd rather have the freedom to identify with, hey, tonight I'm going to be yeah, Tonto. I think, I think whoever's
2: in the authority position is the one who gets dictated, so I'm not worried about it until someone starts. Like, my favorite one right now is, uh, there, there is in the United Kingdom. there was Some guy got in trouble, and he had a crazy haircut. And he was an immigrant, I, th- I believe, and so people started making fun of him, like his mugshot.
1: That his his hairline was receding. That's what it was. And they were making fun of his receding hairline. And
2: then then basically the the police came out like with an official thing saying, if we see that you're bullying the like it's against
1: law in England to make fun of someone on social media.
2: Yeah. So it's like I was like, I can't believe they'd actually tweet that. Like I can understand, like, oh, you know, don't tolerate that kind of behavior on the internet at the end. But no, it's like we will find you and we will charge you with something if you are caught on social media making fun of this guy's Headshot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, uh, yeah, that's pretty – I'd say that's where I would get scared. Just because, like, you can't – like, imagine being a comedian in that country, which for some reason I always thought the British folks were, like, the greatest – one of the greatest sides of comedy because they bring such a unique freshness to it through, like, you know, like, with their perceived smugness or their their obsession with good, good grammar and all that kind of stuff. So they're very good at seeing the ironic things in life. And they always eloquently say it. And well,
1: British but- comedy is more dry and wry and witty because remember, what separates the United States from almost every other country in the universe, except for like Canada or even Israel? What separates us?
2: Because we're a hodgepodge.
1: Well, that well, there are many countries that, have, that uh, almost every country has, has got an immigration basis to it. It's we're so new, only a couple yeah, hundred yeah. years I old. Give you that. England has a comedic history that stretches back thousands of yeah. years, so they've gone through their. Pie in the face, and they've gone through their, you know, Eddie Murphy, cursing and, and so forth and so on. Shock humor and whatever. But now so, they're going
2: to get arrested if they make any. Well, checks. that's
1: the thing. We're not there yet. We're our humor, our distinct American humor.
2: So you're trying to say they're so smart over there in their humor that they can get away with saying things because they say it in a way that Let's
1: say it with a British accent. Yeah. <laughs> Anything sounds better with a British accent. But
2: I mean, you know what uh, the the wildest thing? Because you know, I like conspiracy theories and I like reading things on the internet. Is that Jeffrey Epstein character? When I read that he he committed suicide. Okay,
1: we got to go put finger quotes around that. Well, that's
2: what I'm saying. Like, I, I thought it was a joke when I first read it, and I was like, oh man, the Onion—they did really well. You know, the <laughs> Onions out there—they're doing it again. But no, it was true. And well, so the I'm, Onion
1: actually did do something a few weeks ago are you about okay. say, you know, Clinton's Suspe- uh, expressed shock at upcoming Epstein suicide. You know, as, as a well, I mean, I I, see, I
2: love you know people might not like the chaos that surrounds this kind of stuff, but what I love is just kind of like the, the way we how did we get here, and then where do we go from now? Because I imagine this guy who's been charged with so many you know horrible crimes. I, I, do you think it was just word of mouth testimony that they they had on him? Like, if he's dead, no one can now. No oh, well, one. Well, no. Knows? Here's the thing. No,
1: well, they got documents galore. So that's what I was wondering. I was but like, here's the thing: an investigation kind of side rails everything, and that's why I have such an issue with the two year plus Mueller investigation because it's si- it just. I, I don't think I'm using side rail right, but I mean that took front and center, so it's hard to. Look at what's really the problem if, if you have this investigation well, going on. There was so, a
2: line I remember reading because I like reading and watching the videos, his testimony when he was in front of the Senate. Was mm-hmm. that right? It was a little alarming when they were talking about some document that had to do with Russia, and he said that that wasn't part of the peer review of the investigation, even though, like, it literally sounded like it was. Yeah, no, involved. it was. And I was like, man, no, there's d-?
1: a question if Mueller actually so, wrote. Led no. the investigation. Well, I'm not worried about that stuff. But even with this, this,
2: this guy with Epstein. What do you think really happened? Because I was telling Holly, you know, someone could just put him in a situation where he had to commit suicide, and he did it. But you have did- to
1: ask how, because whether or not he, there are some questionable situations now. I'm seriously withholding judgment, but humorously, I'm I'm on the the wagon train. I posted a couple of memes yesterday saying although I was kind of surprised by the suicide. I wasn't nearly as surprised as Epstein was at his suicide. And then that awkward moment when you bolt awake wondering if you remember to untie his hands before you left his jail cell. It's very questionable, and I'm withholding my serious judgment. That's when I said I'm seriously. My serious judgment until there is somewhat of an investigation, but there are many questions to be answered. He had a cellmate, as he's supposed to have, who was transferred out a couple days beforehand. He'd been on suicide watch and then was taken off for no reason. There's supposed to be a guard looking in in the door every 9 to 20 minutes. It was several hours between. And then you have to look at literally how could it happen. You can't hang yourself with sheets in, in prison like that because they're paper grade. They would just tear. There are no shoelaces. And, you know, the only possible way is if you stripped off your, your onesie jumpsuit, tore the seaming, knotted it all together but the ceiling is too high to reach even standing on the bed, which can't be moved. And there are no bars along the top. How can you hang yourself? The light fixtures won't support a 200-pound weight. So there are, I'm not saying he didn't. I question how he did and how was allowed to. it,
2: It made me wonder, what are the stats on people actually committing suicide on Suicide Watch?
1: That's well, that's well, he wasn't on suicide watch anymore. That you know, that's what the first battle cry was. But that leads opens the question why he'd already attempted it once before, allegedly. Yeah, and that's why you put someone on suicide. Plus, knowing the import of this prisoner, it's like having um, not El Guapo, who's the uh, El Chepe? Oh, Chapo? Chapo, it's like putting Chapo in a cell and then leaving him alone for two hours, you know, letting the same thing happen, he,
2: and he escapes via toilet.
1: Exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's a a prisoner of that magnitude. you see those photos and stuff? Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. A prisoner of that magnitude, that should not have happened. So either there's a catastrophic failure all around, but you have to... It's not as if the guard fell asleep on duty. They pulled guards off that watch. Yeah. It's not as if they accidentally, you know, left a, a bed sheet in there or something. It's there the many many unanswered so, questions
2: like i said it's, it's one of those situations where you're like really this is where we're this is where we're
1: at right now well so. this investigation is going to sideline the fact that of the upcoming trial that he was so for the next year or two there's going to be an investigation where the FBI and the DOJ and the prison system are all going to get involved and that gives everyone who was involved a year or two to clean up their act disappear alter documents because and here's the thing there's a lot of documents thousands that were going to be introduced into evidence but a lot of them need to be backed up by you need to verify them and that's why you need someone on the stand to verify this document well with him gone those documents can't be verified therefore they can't be necessarily submitted as evidence yeah so well i think that that to me pops the biggest question trial
2: by media so that's probably what end up happening. Is someone will. Read. I want
1: to talk about trial by media because yesterday. Well, gonna... yesterday I was very upset with the media. For uh, my day started with bad media and it ended with bad media. Okay. Yesterday, I don't know if we want to take a break first because this may take a couple of minutes. But I was very uptight right, with the break. media.
2: Sounds like you need to take a break. Let's take, a break. take, a, break.
1: take a break. Let's, a break. Break. let's <laughs> drink some bean punk coffee. Yes.
2: We'll be right back, folks. You're listening
3: to Dick and Skippy in the
2: mornings. <laughs>
3: Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. A Lone Star Community Radio is ready for
0: the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for summer internship opportunities, a Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to grab the mic and be on the air. A Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world all year round. Be an on-air personality, talk show producer, or YouTube TV podcast editor. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776.
4: Are you one of those who feel that life is too short to drink bad coffee? Then come to Fun Coffee. Fun Coffee is open with two locations. Whether you're in downtown Conroe or historic Montgomery, we have the best fresh brewed and specialty coffee, delicious pastries, and courteous staff. Come visit us at 330 North Main Street in Conroe or 401 College Street, Suite 170 in Montgomery. Visit BeanPunkCoffee.com to see our complete list of special events.
0: Statistics show that one out of every six Texans struggles with food insecurity and hunger. And many people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables every day. The Better Living for Texans program is here to help you learn how to make healthy menu choices, save money at the grocery store, prepare quick and delicious meals, get more good nutrition in your day, and get more physical activity. Classes are fun, friendly, interactive, and free, and taught in English and Spanish. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better.
3: Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Marty Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture.
0: Second Saturday Divorce Workshop provides unbiased information to help you understand your options and move forward with your life. This Divorce Workshop is for you if you are contemplating divorce, in the process of divorce, already filed for divorce, or post-divorce. You will explore the emotional, legal, and financial aspects of divorce from professionals who have guided others through divorce. For more information on this Divorce Workshop, contact SecondSaturdayWoodlands.com or call 832-375-0900.
2: All right, we're back with Dick and Skippy in the Mornings, 942, broadcasting live on IRLonestar.com and, of course, Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. We're on Conroe's 104.5, 106.1 every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I do want to remind folks we are going to start taking callers at 10 o'clock, so if you want to join the conversation, just call us at 936-228-9368 at 10 o'clock. That's when we're going to start taking calls and see what's going on. And uh, until then, we wanted something to happen with Sean about news. Like you're still you're
1: still on this stuff. I'm still butthurt about it. Well, I mean, the,
2: well, we can all agree. I think everyone can agree that when you say the news, it's really hard to lump it all together. True, and I and will actually
1: specify.
2: Hold the same expectations on everyone. I mean, I'm pretty sure anyone that's on cable right now is somewhat of like there's little portions of it them being a joke, like Con.com and HoustonChronicle.com. Mm-hmm. Like, they're separate, but they're the same entity. So it's like, how can we take you serious if you have a cron.com
1: Right. So let me explain my, my position. Uh, so night before last, I went to bed with—I uh, I get news reports on my phone from all the sources, all the local news sources, if it's The Chronicle, if it's Fox News, if it's local Fox, if it's ABC, you know, Channel 2. Why would you
0: pay attention to all that?
1: That they just ding up, and and usually when they show up near the same time, that's like okay, it's coming from multiple sources, and that kind of helps me. You know, yeah. I, I'm all about having different verifiable sources. Now, this this is what leads to the problem, is these different news outlets are now relying on each other for the source. So one news outlet is using another news outlet's breaking news to be their breaking news instead of an independent verification. So the night before last, I went to bed pretty much with with reports coming in that HPD, Houston Police Department, had caught the what they're calling the I-10 shooter on Interstate 10, some idiot with a rifle, like hit a car, something happened. He came out, killed two people, and ran out, and he was on the run. They, they, there was no description. They couldn't find him. But that night I was getting alerts he'd been arrested. I woke up the next morning. What I do when I wake up, I kind of scroll through what's happened during the night, seeing if there's any weather or news updates And I was getting reports that HPD was saying, no, he hadn't been caught. So I'm wondering, well, how could, you know, every news, every local news outlet had reported he had been. So where was the breakdown? Maybe they caught the wrong guy and they had to release him. So I read the reports and it was that a local news outlet, well, more than one possibly, an unidentified person from, quote, the law enforcement community which could mean it could be a dispatcher, it could be the janitor, it could, be it
2: could be a, retired a cop, person. could be
1: a retired person, told at least one news outlet, but probably all of them like, hey, I got something, that he'd been caught. So they all ran with that. There was no independent verification. Now, you've heard me grouse many a time that as a journalist, you're supposed to get a news story from two independently verified news yeah. sources. And if you can't, you s- state it as such. This is a single source, this is non-verified, this is anonymous, but they all, all the news outlets the night before had proclaimed, HBD said that they'd gotten it, gotten the guy. So that started the day off to where the the news, in their haste to put out the headline, which not verified, none of them indicated this is an unverified story, this is a questionable source, they just stated it as fact. That means resources were diverted, <clears throat> Cops are like, wait, you know, it throws question. Wait, did we catch the guy or not? The news is saying we did. I guess I don't need to canvas this neighborhood anymore. Yeah. The guy's still out there. He has not been caught. It's It's been many days. So that's how the day started. Then later yesterday, in the midst of my conversations with my niece, you know, one of the things that went down was talking about guns and the gun issue. And I pointed out to her that I can't think of a single Republican in the universe that wants a mask shooting because every time there is one that's where the hue and cry comes out as to we need to get rid of guns so we don't want mass shootings however i've had some democrat associates and i'll have to say even friends who have actually said on facebook i can't wait for the next one cuz that'll prove that we need to get rid of guns so there are some people actually actually looking forward to it the NRA does not want mass shootings because every time there is one there's a threat to put them out of business so I was trying to explain to a, a staunch liberal yesterday, the right does not want bad things to happen. There's not a Republican in the right mind who's opposed to immigration. It's illegal immigration. There's a difference. We're not, uh, there's not a Republican in the right mind who wants a mass shooting. So we're in the middle of this conversation, and we're getting reports of uh, a, shooter, a mass shooter in Memorial City Mall. And, again, these are the reports. Reports are that there's a mass shooting going on, breaking news. So, of course, my niece took that and ran with it. See, that's what I'm talking about. Just like uh, the Garb backfiring in in Times Square and everyone freaked out. Well, shortly after that, it was – HPD came out saying there was no mass shooter. And so the news reporting, oh, it looks like there were fireworks. Someone let out fireworks in there. And so that was the story for the next two hours. And then the HPD comes out and says, no, there were no fireworks. And then it gets reports, well, there's a door slamming. Guys got in an argument, and somebody slammed a door, and it made a bang, and that's what freaked people out. Now, now don't forget, the whole mall's been cleared by, by now because the news, all their phones are blowing up with mass shooter currently in Memorial City Mall. So the whole mall is in panic mode. Then it comes out, finally, late last night, near midnight, I'm getting the reports, there was no shooter, there were no firecrackers, There was no slamming door. There was an idiot who put on a mask, hopped up on the table in the food court, made some kind of threat and ran off. But someone like, oh, mass shooter. Someone yelled it. And that's what caused the whole thing. So the entire afternoon, evening, and night of the news was one unfairified and finally discounted news story after the other, which only served to cause panic, chaos, and mayhem. And meanwhile... HPD is having to keep on having these press conferences going, no, it wasn't this. So they're diverting resources from catching this idiot. And it just incensed me so hard on the... And so these are... I'm calling out Fox 26, ABC 13, Click2Houston, Houston Chronicle, Cron.com, KHOU Channel 11, all of you, I'm calling you out on this. And I even see you know, faithful Bill Baeza just over and over. He's trying to update it too with, oh, you may have heard reports about this, but now it's that. It's like, we may have heard it. You said it. Everyone's now trying to backpedal. And it was so grossly irresponsible. And I think damn near criminally irresponsible of those news outlets. So I'm not saying the media. I'm calling out individual news outlets. It's criminally negligent, malicious, and irresponsible of you to do this.
2: Yeah, but we've already talked about that the news organization, the, the the ones who want to be first, and it's that's important about the revenues being first to report, and they're going to continue reporting it until it's more of an ask forgiveness later than ask permission kind of thing. Well, some so, and I mean especially because well, one thing that's part of the contributing factor is social media and the people's perception of what's happening. Like I was reading about uh, what happened, and people were going on their social media. And saying, like, oh man, I'm at Memorial City Mall. There's a shooting going on. So when you're looking for two independent sources and how easy it is to go on social media and do hashtag Memorial City Mall, you know, do like a search, mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, well, does that count as a source? I mean like No, it doesn't because Well no, I'm I'm talking like I don't know, I don't think it would because you have to confirm. But it. in
1: anyone's world it wouldn't, because these so, people are going, Oh my OMG, there's a shooter, that's because their phone just said Channel 11's reporting. There's a shooter at Memorial City Mall, and that's what caused a stampede. Oh, yeah. Now there's videos of people, you know, and so, of course, now the battle line's been drawn. It's like, see, even though there's not a shooter, this is Trump's America, and, and we need to get rid of guns so this panic doesn't happen. And there's you know, a well, picture boards. kids crying. Yeah. And on the other side, it's you guys are, you know, a car backfires, and... Times Square freaks out. And I want to say grow a pair. Well, I'm still going
2: to say what I said last week is we should do the mandatory service. And that way people aren't so scared. That's how you had train a horse from jumping all the time when you're shooting guns around it. And you got to train it.
1: You know, I just grew up... When I lived in England, the IRA was blowing up things left and right. It was wrong. And I'm not saying get used to it. What, but I, what I'm saying is every time there's a car backfire in England, well, more I, had of, building, I had a building blow well, up behind me well, that I'd been it's in. It's
2: more of the response people need to have. It's imagine... Imagine someone who got hurt at Memorial City Mall because of a stampede, and then people talk about, "Hey, nothing really happened actually," and so that entire fiasco was not. But needed.
1: it'll work its way all the way to the someone White House now that stroller. because that this is this president is um, well, promoting this, no this, one this. goes to
2: the mall anymore, so there wasn't well, that many people well, there. No,
1: Memorial City, they actually do. They, have, they actually have a hockey rink in there. I did not know that. Yeah. It's been like ten years since I'd gone there, and I went there. And it changed a lot. But no, a lot of people, the few malls we have left are very, for the most part, uh, adequately patronized. You got the Woodlands Mall, um, the West Oaks Mall, I think, uh, Willowbrook. You know, there aren't that many, but the ones that are, are, there's enough customers to cause a, a problem. So shame, Telling shame. Mandatory media. service. Just
2: go into the army, and then you'll learn how to react to things.
1: If our founders had envisioned that, they would have put it in either the the original constitution a or one of the amendments,
2: <laughs> right? So, I mean, you, that see, that to me, that's that's probably what's interesting about development of of a country. It's like, we, when did that decision come about, and they still enforce it, and how does that change people's? perception of the world because that's what jay was talking about we had jay Sidelberg on friday and he was mm-hmm. talking about you know we need to get ex, get the younger developing minds exposure to the world and different methods and things like that and i really like that idea but really how does it want to go about it because i think that's why the army or the uh, service department here in our country is smart when they advertise see the world be the chain you know that kind of thing that's i think that was the navy that, that was their slogan if i remember that correctly and then um the, and then, of course, the Marines kind of preyed on the those who were loners because you don't have any friends? Come make some over here and be a Marine. Mm-hmm. But then the Navy's <laughs> like, you see the world or whatever. I, I forgot what it was. Well,
1: oh, the Army was be all you can be.
2: Army's be all you can be. What's the Marines?
1: One, uh, when it absolutely, positively needs to be blown up overnight.
2: Okay. Well, there you go. I'm using cheap
1: shot. Hey, uh, I just kind of glanced at our comments, and uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Steve Fountain because you know later today I also do the weekly live TV broadcast yeah. for Women's Online, and he's been talking about this. But the time is nice. So on August 24th at the historic Crichton Theater, Stingray Anthony is going to be uh, uh, from. It's called from. La- he's from Las Vegas. Stingray Anthony, great music. Uh, um, and so, I, you know, I want to say, Steve, I, I know you've been diligently letting us know about this, and we've been having to put it off because of the the time frame. But now, by golly, it's only a week or so away. We're going to be pimping this all we can for you. So I'll also be doing it later today on Woodlands Online. So okay. thanks for thanks for uh, chiming in with the upcoming concert happening at the Crichton Theater on August twenty fourth. Had to throw that out there. Okay. Okay. So that any my rant is over, and that Good. was that was that targeted was on the uh, specific local media sources. So you uh, you're,
2: you're going to see the new Hobbs and Shaw movie that came out?
1: I have I have yet to see a single Fast and Furious movie.
2: So are you going to go see the new Hobbs and Shaw movie when it comes out? No,
1: because I, I I don't watch a series unless I, I mean saw from I really
2: doubt you have to see the whole series to really understand what's going on. True. Now
1: now if it was Hobbs like Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs, I'd watch it.
2: That'd be weird. You
1: no, know, like a tiger. Would it be live action or
2: would it be? animated, we have to call Disney and see what they think.
1: Yeah, well, what Disney works. nowadays, what they call live action is 100% CGI'd.
2: So. And would it be like Toy Story where would it confuse the audience when the parents come in and they just see a stuffed animal, but then when you switch perspectives, he's like a live tiger?
1: Well, that was, that was the whole question about Calvin and Hobbes. Was Hobbes, you know, like a puka? where he would be come to life only around Calvin, or was he all in Calvin's head?
2: So he never had a stuffed animal? Yeah. That's no, it. there's been, there's. There, I remember a carto- uh, certain strips where the mom's like, y'all need to come in. Maybe because, I mean, like, because she, she knew he was around Calvin. But it might not have been like— No,
1: for, from every adult's perspective, Calvin or Hobbes was a stuffed tiger because she would wash him or okay. sew on the buttons so, yeah, and stuff.
2: I thought you were saying the parents didn't even know that the stuffed animal was there. Oh, no. Was,
1: as far as the world's concerned, it's a stuffed yeah. animal. But only when Calvin's alone does Hobbes come to life. Uh. And so the question is, does is Hobbes like Toy, Toy Story or is he just all in Calvin's mind where— I always, thought it was He's always in his mind. Well, here's which makes a lot of sense. But even Bill Watterson, who who did Calvin and yeah. Hobbes, was coy about it because there's a bit where you know that's they're the playing ma- baseball. That's the magic. Yeah, that that is the magic.
2: Well, that's what I was telling you. I was listening to that show about Drop Dead Fred, and I was like, "What's Fred?" Because one argument was, in the movie, Fred is the manifestation of the Phoebe's character who wants to act out but doesn't know how, and it's her growing as a person through Fred. And then the other side of the people were like, well, does that mean she went under the skirt and looked at under the, like there's several scenes where Fred was checking out w- older mm-hmm. women's skirts and stuff. And it's like, so is that her physically doing it? Or was it just like in her mind, imagining somebody do it? Mm-hmm. Cause it'd be really weird if, her phys- like
1: well, when you have that shtick, it does open it up, you know. N- n- not much of a spoiler or like, anymore.
2: Like Fight Club. I was just going. Fight with that. Club. They they argue that it was physically him doing all these actions. So he was physically the one giving the speeches, the one fighting, the one
1: which makes sense. But there's a scene where Ed Norton goes knocking on the door, and uh Brad Pitt opens it, and he's currently mid coitus with what's her name, Helena Bonham Carter. So you got to ask, which one is he? Is he in the room well, having I sex? I think he's better. Or is he walking through the streets, going upstairs and knocking on yeah. the door? Which one is it? So when you have we that shit, answer, it, does, it does, uh, do, you got to be able to cover all the bases. Same thing with American Psycho. If you remember at the end, it's got a very open-ended ending where you yeah. wonder if he's actually, if Killed, all the killing happened or not. And unfortunately, there was a bad sequel where they answered it for you and it was dumb.
2: This is this the Mila Kunis one? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And sometimes in their desire to do a, a, a like a sequel, they will accidentally screw up something that was set up in the first movie. For instance, if you remember the thing, you know, the the John Carpenter movie yeah. from the 80s, and the whole question at the end, the two guys are facing each other down, Kurt Russell and David Keith, or Keith David. It's one. <laughs> there are two actors, and I always get them backwards. But you don't know if either one is... Uh, uh, an alien or not, you know, and they're just like, hey, let's just sit and see what happens. And that's the big question. Well, then many years later, they did a prequel slash reboot, still called The Thing, but it was the events leading up to it. And you find out that when an alien replaces you, your fillings fall, you know, there's no fillings or there's no earrings, for instance, That you know. And They established that, especially with an earring, which now you go back to the original thing, well, the original John Carpenter thing, and one of the actors has an earring in, so you know he's not an alien now. And that was wrong, I think, to do that. It messed with the beauty of that original ending because they gave you the answer.
2: Yeah, but I don't. think They put it in your face to the point where
1: it could have been an oversight, even. But nonetheless, yeah. it gives you an answer. If he's wearing an earring, he can't be one of the the creatures. I thought it was more about the dog. Which, which was at the end of the
2: prequel. I might
1: give it the end yeah, of the yeah. The the end of the prequel well, is the dog escapes. Yeah, and that's the opening scene for okay. the and that's for the, the John p- Carpenter p- movie. Yeah, okay. It literally, the, the last scene of the one is the first yeah, scene th- of the The original movie.
2: thing was really good.
1: Yeah. No, don't forget, the original original was the thing from Out of Space, which uh, was... I didn't care. I don't, well, it was I a, basically like a Russell. giant silver-wrapped carrot played by uh, gunslinger uh, Matt Dillon, uh, marshal Matt Dillon. James Arness himself was the alien, the thing from another world. So there you go. All right. Well, it's 10 o'clock straight up. You want to take a breather and open up the phone line? Yeah, sure. Okay. We can
2: do that. You cool. You've been listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings. Don't forget, you can call in now starting after this break. We'll start accepting phone calls after the break when we come back. 936-228-9368. Zenbat Wind. You can find that phone number on our live broadcast on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy and stuff like that. It's 936-228-9368. We're going to hang out for as long as we can, and then uh, we'll be back. You've been listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings.
3: 7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning.
4: Are you one of those who feel that life is too short to drink bad coffee? Then come to Bean Punk Coffee. Beanpon Coffee is open with two locations. Whether you're in downtown Conroe or historic Montgomery, we have the best fresh brewed and specialty coffee, delicious pastries, and courteous staff. Come visit us at 330 North Main Street in Conroe. Or 401 College Street, Suite 170 in Montgomery. Visit beanpunkcoffee.com to see our complete list of special events.
0: Despite some federal funding, many students in both Conroe ISD and Willis ISD are economically disadvantaged when it comes to affording their school supplies. With school starting back on August 14th, the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce, in partnership with Guarantee,
2: Bank, and Trust, are working together to stuff the bus.
4: Our school supply drive will be running
2: from July 15th through August 12th, and we can't do it without your help. Get a full list of drop-off locations and times, the most needed supplies, and how you can chip in at Conroe.org.
3: Hey, guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS, You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on
2: every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio.
4: Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. Is there someone you know who is hooked on vintage aircraft? Follow the commemorative Air Force and its fleet of World War II planes, including the mighty B-17 Flying Fortress Texas Raiders, which is based in Conroe, Texas. Texas Raiders tours locally and all around the United States, offering the public a chance to put their hands on aviation history. What could be a more perfect gift than a flight on a historic B-17? Taking to the sky on the iconic bomber is an experience that will never be forgotten. For the touring schedule, reservations, or more information, go to b17texasraiders.org or call 855-FLY-A-B-17.
3: Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Marty Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture.
0: A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KCCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. 10.05 on the dot at the Lone Star Studios with Dick and Skippy in the mornings. And I'm bummed now. You know why I'm bummed? Why? Because listener Brett had made a mistake and before I could call him on it, because we were on break, he fixed his own mistake. And it's so rare that I'm able to do that, because he can correct me 48 times a day without blinking, and rightfully so. Uh, yes, Keith David is the African American actor who was in the thing. David Keith is the white actor who I'm always getting him backwards. Now, Reddit said that David Keith was the uncle on Family Affair, and I knew because I watched Family Affair because I had a crush on the the, the, the girl, Missy. Um well this was the 60s come on I get you man uh that that was Brian Keith and how many, so how many crushes have you had oh I for, uh, daily daily yes right. you 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 can crush on someone and not have to act on it you can appreciate a woman's beauty um you can close your eyes and imagine the alternate universe uh, absolutely but she was an early crush apparently I had a thing for blondes cuz I also loved Penelope Pitstop Back then too, but Daphne was Daphne was the one that put me on the path to redheads. But uh, anyhow, Brian Keith was the uncle and family affair, uh, and apparently, uh, David Keith is his nephew. And but because of Brett, thank you. Now I may I don't have to get them confused anymore because I will play the race card. The Keiths are white. The the last name Keith, because of Brian Keith, who I always knew was white. So therefore, David Keith, his nephew. Uh, most likely is white and then keith david is the african-american so dang it brett you're just so quick on the draw even fixing your own little errata. all right good job Very yeah good.
2: there you go okay well uh yeah I, I do we want? don't want to let people know the lines are open so feel free to call in 936-228-9368 and share whatever story or whatever comment you have uh yeah, we'll f- I
1: want our Illinois friend to call back. I'm so sorry that I like totally blanked on his want to name. We don't about
2: politics stuff anymore. It's,
1: it's no, of- we, we, we can get him off on, on other tangents. So. He had opinions. He opined. That's all right with that. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
2: Well, uh, this week we don't have any guests. I don't think he lined up. So if we have folks who want to be a guest on Wednesday's show or Friday's show, feel free to contact us via email, D-I-C-K and Skippy at gmail.com. That's DickandSkippy at gmail.com. And is there any other things you really want to talk about? I know, like you don't want to see Hobbs and Shaw, which you're not participating in the movie world this month. We get, we understand that. <laughs> and The Lion King is now uh, surpassed Frozen as the highest grossing film.
1: Wow, and I'm, I'm really—I didn't think it would last. My thought was that people would watch the first, like Beauty and the Beast. They watched the first weekend, well, and then I, the novelty theory, wore off.
2: My theory is, if I knew more about foreign policy stuff, I feel like China at one point in the last year or two finally change the way they can import movies. And then movies have become such a booming business there that the theater count has grown substantially to where it's really hard to judge how much money a movie made this year to like five years ago because now there's additional like 2,000 theaters. When I was reading the success of Avatar, one of the main reasons of the success was James Cameron's money he put up to put it in maximum like amount of theaters. Mm-hmm. So he knew people would to go see it. So and I know that's a lot that's a lot of issues for people who are making movies is to get a movie into a theater because there's only so many screens and that kind of stuff. And then especially when you go on a weekend of Star Wars where it's like, oh you know what? We don't care about your movie. We're gonna put 10 Star Wars screens up.
1: No, I know the the thing is to convert box office to adjust for inflation. That's how, you know, they can yeah. say, you know, gone with the wind made this much. Based on inflation, it's comparable to Titanic or, oh, or whatever. Yeah. But I don't think that that adequately conveys it because as you just pointed out, it could be the number of cinemas it went in. So, you know, you make it available in 2,000 cinemas across the oh. world to where you literally can walk to it for the most part as opposed to 200 cinemas, which is more the norm, where you're less likely to drive out to the cinema. You're like, ah, oh, we'll wait for it to come... Well, one
2: thing that I remember about Titanic and their success was there's a large amount of people who saw it again. And it wasn't just mm-hmm. like fanboys. It was like a good, it, well, it like, catered to like the chances of a return The buyer. love
1: story catered to the, the base, uh, Topless, what's-her-name, Rose... Draw me like one of your French Kate girls. Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah, draw me like one of your that,
2: French girls. That brought That's the guys back,
1: line. you know, the hormone crowd. And then you had the effects of, of you know, you had the history buff. So it, it kind of spoke to everyone. Yeah. But I think for. And it had Bill Paxton in it. Bill and Billy Zane.
2: And Billy Zane.
1: Speaking of Billy and Zane. And Leonardo DiCaprio. Speaking of Billy Zane, so because of you.
2: Oh, great. Here the Mrs.
1: and I have been binging uh, the boys oh, on okay. Amazon Prime. And we got made it to the penultimate through the penultimate episode last night okay. and we stopped because she wants to watch the final episode of season 1 tonight and i did not realize billy zane was in it playing billy, billy zane, zane. Yeah. it was he shaved his head somewhere along the line
2: he's always had thought i he had shaved head after titanic
1: okay i just you know
2: i guess he was in the phantom and he didn't shave his head was the, was the
1: phantom before or after titanic i can't I no remember idea. yeah that was a uh, <laughs> i enjoyed, <laughs> I, actually, I enjoyed that movie that to be in purple spandex head-to-toe in the jungle, and I mean head-to-toe including covering the top of your head, that's one r- ripe phantom there. He's well, a stinky that's purple
2: when, gray. That's when production companies were scared to deviate so far from the source material. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, in the comics, he has purple spandex, so he's got to have purple spandex. And uh, I think if they made it today, it would be completely different.
1: I uh, agree, and that's something I'm, I'm good with, to, to get him out of the purple spandex.
2: But uh, – Yeah, he he has a funny cameo in that movie because it's like, is he a superhero or is he not?
1: Well, apparently he's an actor who was in a superhero movie with a superhero, and I loved... It it took me a moment to click that that was uh, Haley Joel Osment, the kid who sees dead people in Sixth Sense. He's all grown up now, and I loved seeing him in that because he's short, he's squishy, you know, his hair was unkempt, he had a beard, but you could still see the little boy in it yeah. in his face and I really that really uh, was a good scene the, the scenes that he was in I really enjoyed those yeah. he played a uh, a former he's a superhero someone with powers who could read minds and apparently in this universe as a kid he was like in a cop version of Doogie Hauser because I don't know if you caught it his name was actually you know detective Howser. And he was this kid who, could for the NYPD, who could read people. He He's the, the criminal. Yeah, he, had to, he had to touch them. And yeah, he could read you could the touch minds. them and read their minds. And
2: well, see, one thing that's funny to me, <laughs> like about the boys, and one thing I love about those kind of movies, they take a concept, kind of like any vampire, zombie, or whatever, a post-apocalypse movie. Like, what do you think would really would happen with X, Y, Z? Like, we're, in
1: a real world.
2: Yeah, in a, in a real world scenario. And what kind of confused me about the boys is when they introduced, like the original concept, I thought was like there were seven superheroes. And that was it. But then they started kind of letting you know, oh, there's other superheroes. But
1: well, the seven is the Justice League of America. Yeah, they're
2: not the seven. So then you had this guy who could read minds, and he is a down and out. He's going to these comic con conventions. That's not like the only way he's making money. He's having a he has a horrible relationship with his daughter. And I'm like, if you could read minds, you think anyone would go that far down?
1: But he was such a sad sack. Not everyone. Yeah, think about it. Peter Parker, okay, we're going to go off on a tangent here, only became Spider-Man because he allowed Uncle Ben to get killed. Yeah. If that hadn't happened, now I'm sure there have been retcons and different versions, but he would have been in it for the money. He was a high school kid. He used it to get girls and shoplift. Yeah. Yeah. So, so because guy, of that, so this guy didn't have an Uncle Ben. Well, this guy still could be useful. Well, he, well, what it so is. If I
2: was the police, if I was the FBI, I'd be like, yeah, give, make him an FBI agent. He can read people's minds by touching. Well, the implication
1: them. is because of his strained relationship with his daughter, and that, and that no, it's pointed out that he no. was touching a banker's hand to get some in, insider information. He probably got busted for insider trading. Yeah, he'd be in jail though. And no one, here's the thing. Because that power is too, no but, too big. No one would trust him. That's the thing. It's, when you're around a telepath, no one wants to be around a telepath. Yeah,
2: that's what I'm saying. No one wants to be around someone that could read your mind. You put him in a padded cell, get him hooked on heroin or whatever, and then you take it away unless he you do he does your bidding. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do with superheroes. But right? it has to be
1: touch. So how's he gonna if he's in a padded we, cell you, on heroin? You go, hey,
2: we'll give you more if you come in and read this
1: guy's mind, and then you're so good. that means you got to bring in Well, that means you got to bring someone in. No, throw the guy down at Gitmo and say, "Yeah, he's a terrorist." He's not. Yeah. I get That's that. That's what I'm saying.
2: He would have a use in society. He wouldn't just be some. But
1: not everyone is destined to be. Now that
2: superpower is too unique. That's way too unique.
1: I. I think, if you haven't seen the boys, what would have been what would have been funny?
2: Well, mm-hmm. if I was going to write on what I would have done is he got demoted in the the seven.
1: Yeah, he was right. in, like, the Teen Titans for yeah, a while.
2: Yeah, so he's at the bottom of the food chain, and what he does is he does all the screenings for the business, for the corporation. So when you're going to get a job there, he's the one that does the final screening because he reads your mind. So that would be funny. Okay, i got
1: to agree with you on that because in the X-Men, and I don't know we're going off on a comic book tangent, so if you're not a comics fan, well, sorry. Um, there was, a, in one of the X-Men groups, there was a new mutants. There was a young kid whose codename was Cypher. And his mutant ability, he had no physical powers whatsoever. But Basically, he could understand any language immediately, whether it be computer code, an alien language, French. You know, he just had this innate ability to immediately be able to translate any. And he dies pretty early on. He's one of the sacrificial, well, that's not a good character. He's not physical. I would kill for that power.
2: Well, even that, like, and you write it into where he, it's, he's demeaned everywhere because of, like, say he cheated or say he did the entire trading, but his power still had used to the corporation. So it's like, this is the job we're going to give you now. Mm-hmm. This is what you have to do every day. You're literally touching normal people's hands and seeing if they could be the janitor over here at this building or they could be the next executive or whatever.
1: Well, if you have Amazon Prime, uh, the boys is not for everyone. But if it is your kind of deal uh i think it's very worth watching it's very in your face very r-rated but it's because many years ago like god 30 years ago 95 15, 25 years ago i wrote a play a comedy but it was what if a real life superhero showed up or someone claiming to be superhero showed up in the real life world and no one could prove him wrong and it was a comedy it was a melodrama but the the shtick was no one you know some guy shows up in purple spandex he's going to get laughed out of existence And he's like, no, I really am a superhero, but no one can prove him wrong. This is the antithesis of that. It's kind of the same plot, but much better done, much in your face. Uh, Carl Urban is in it, the new Dr. McCoy. Um, Simon Pegg, who's the new Scotty, he's in it. Uh, Really realistic. yeah. But funny as all get out. There's this one scene where the good guys are pinned down by bad guys, and and they're in a nursery you know, in, like, a a, a baby ward at a hospital, and they realize that this baby has laser eyes, and so they get up by grabbing the baby and using the baby as, like, you know, squeezing the back of its neck so it'll open its eyes and cry and zap the bad guys. It was very funny.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I can't speak of it highly enough to check it out. Well, you turn. I
1: I don't think I would have watched it had you not said anything about it, and Mrs. Skippy's really loving it.
2: Yeah, I was reading uh, a deal... um, Disney Plus is coming out, and they're going to do a package deal where I think we we're talking about this a so Hulu and ESPN Plus, and
1: ESPN Plus.
2: So like, that, not me. Well, no, I'm saying it's a package deal for like 13.99. You get Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus
1: for that price. I'd do it because so, I'm paying. I think I'm paying 11.99 right now for Hulu because I, yeah. I do the non-commercial version. So for two extra bucks, even though I would never watch ESPN, uh. For the Disney, yeah, we'll we'll see what they offer. Again, like I'm still maintaining my CBS All Access because I want to see the new Picard show. Oh, now you're giving them more
2: money. Now they're gonna make more crappy Star well, Trek it's
1: stuff. Well, it's six ninety <laughs> nine a month. Have you I, finished Discovery? Yeah,
2: I did. Okay, so you actually watched. I, I
1: watched the whole thing. I have mixed emotions about it. I know. they really had to play around? It's it's much like uh, the end of. Uh, re uh, Revenge of the Jedi, uh, no, no, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, where okay, we got twenty minutes left. We have to have him kill the the kids and do this. Yeah. And it feels like it's very thrown together. Uh, same thing with that kind of like the they felt they did like throw it together. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well,
2: I'm anticipating the new Star Wars just because I want to see how much more can they make people pissed off.
1: I think so they're I'm going to. I think really there's gonna be some massive backpedaling. And here's the thing. Mark. Here's, here's a tell. Mark Hamill is not poo-pooing it, and he's become very vocal. Mark Hamill is like the honey badger. He just don't care anymore. Or they
2: realize he's a big talker, so they don't tell him anything.
1: Well, no, he would leak something from the set. He, he He's indicated that he's kind of pleased with how Luke is treated in the final movie. So I think they're doing some backpedaling, probably some retconning as to what, what happened. I wonder if Hayden
2: Christian's going to be in it.
1: I feel I feel, that would be the biggest... I feel for Hayden and I feel for Jake Lloyd who was little Anakin. Yeah. They didn't have a chance because that was the writing. You know, Hayden Christensen not the world's best actor, he's kind of no. smoldering angry kind of thing. Uh but that I got to put that one down on the writing. I can't hate on the actors so much although, you know, my skin crawled every time young Darth Vader went yippee.
2: Yeah.
1: It, Darth Vader does not say yippee. I don't care if he's 2 years old.
2: Well, well, see, one thing that's a lot of folks need uh, who are writing that kind of stuff, they need to like, hey, would it just be better just to make him five years older? Because it'd be a lot easier to write, and he's a lot more, like, because people want to see Darth Vader. They want to see it, and they're excited about seeing him before he was Darth Vader. But then when you create a character who you can't see any development happen because he's so young, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, he's just a kid.
1: He's a kid who's got fast reflexes. He's just a kid.
2: But if they did it where, like, He was 13, 14. He was self-aware of his abilities. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't more of he's an innocent. It's not about him being innocent at one point. It's more about him going through the world and seeing how the world treated him before he became Darth Vader. And I like that he was a slave. I liked all that stuff because that that would build a character for
1: him. You could have more backstory. I absolutely agree. Just make him older. Don't make him creepy with
2: the princess. I mean, that was creepy.
1: Yeah, that was when you're a 20-year-old and you're a cougar. There, there's something wrong with that. There there are laws in certain creepy. states. But I think the only time that there's been like a young, young protagonist or antagonist, however you want to phrase it, uh, in the six six to ten years age range, in the book, uh, it was Ender's Game, yeah, which was very well done. But even in the movie, they're like, we couldn't have a seven-year-old, a seven-year-old yeah. killing and doing this. So they had to basically double his age to the teens. So it made it more relatable to the movie public. So I have to agree with you. I, I think of, uh, no offense to Jake Lloyd, but if they'd gotten his five-year-old older brother instead, I think it would not have been quite so. Yeah.
2: Well, because it'd be easier to write for, too. Like, And you wouldn't write yippee. Because that mm-hmm. was like someone going, what would a five-year-old say? Well, maybe yippee? Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds good to me. I'm like, no. Because I think a lot of, too, that's got to be really hard to write a movie or a book or whatever with small children in mind. Because you either make them too smart for their own good, and then whoever's the actress or actor sells it or doesn't sell it. And, like, you're, you're depending on a five-year-old to sell it. Like, remember remember the Titans, the movie, the Disney football movie? You ever seen that movie? I
1: haven't seen it, but I know it. There was
2: a, a, a child actress in it, and she played the daughter of the, one of the, the football coaches, and she was, you know, the smartest football fanatic, and mm-hmm. she's, like, six.
1: Well, you always had the precocious six-year-old and, who, and, you know, for most movies... They get to say the one curse word because it's the shock value. Yeah,
2: and like she's like always involved with you like always talking have football. That. And Mrs. Doubtfire.
1: Every and you're like, come you come got on, the precocious guys. smart daughter, but that that precocious smart daughter, whomever, doesn't carry the whole movie like they had Jake Lloyd do. And I I absolutely agree with you. I think the Harry Potter movies did it right. They kept all the actors, well, except for Peter, who died and got replaced with Michael Gambon, but you got to see. Not only the now of course, it's unfair because it's seven movie or seven or eight movies, but you know you saw ten year old Daniel Radcliffe and what's her name Emily Watson, and then a year or so later, as they're all getting older so who
2: who would get billed as lead actress in that movie? she would right, but lead actor wouldn't be the Ron Weasley character there
1: is no lead actress in Harry Potter Harry Potter. you don't think so no. There, there could be leading roles, but that would be um, Maggie Smith's character, Mrs. McGonagall, McGillicuddy, yeah,
2: Mag- McGillicuddy, yeah, her, bottom,
1: yeah, and Emily Watson or Emily, what's her name, the Hermione, could technically count because she had like most lines and most screen time, but the character is not a lead character she's one of the yeah. top Harry three.
2: Potter is the lead actor.
1: Yeah it's like in the Star Trek movie as much as ensembles they want to make it William Shatner was the lead. Yeah. Period. And no one else. Then you had your 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 DeForest Kelly and Leonard Nimoy who were featured. you, you know, and then you had your supporting cast, Chekhov and Sulu yeah. and whomever. Okay. Same thing. And they they tried to do it that. when Next Generation came out. It was, oh, it's all ensemble, but immediately you found out that Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner were the breakouts. And so they start off with, oh, we're, you know, it's all egalitarian and it's a big ensemble piece. But it's like, no, we got the big three, Jonathan Frakes, Patrick Stewart, and Brent Spiner, and then the others. And that's why Denise Crosby said, you know what, the, the feelings change, can I, can I leave? And Who is she, the doctor? No, she was Tasha Yar, who gets killed in the first season but then oh, yeah. realized that it was a good thing, so she keeps coming back as alternate versions or her own daughter. Um, this is just one of those things. You know, I can't blame her because she was promised this is going to be an ensemble piece, and then within five or six episodes, you got Brent Spiner getting a lion's share of the lines, and she goes, shields raised, Captain, and, you know, that was it. So you can't blame her for wanting out, and you can't blame take her for wanting back get. in.
2: Take take what you can get, people. Yeah. Except Jake, Jake, Jake Lloyd, no more of him.
1: Oh poor Jake, I, I feel no for Jake.
2: But uh okay cool man. Well there's a lot of good stuff coming up. I'm going to check out Hobbs and Shaw or Hobbs and Shaw.
1: Hobbs and Shaw. I just need so. to why if I watch the first Fast and Furious I no, might get you into will not, it.
2: No. You it's completely different. It, that's what I'm saying. It's it what I love about this producer franchise is the first one you could tell they were trying to capture the audience that were into cars and that kind of like the street racing people. Mm-hmm. But then by the third one, they're like, oh, no, really by the fourth one, they're like, you know what? They're more than just drivers. They're superheroes. And then it's just, it gets so blown up. like I, And I love how they just went for it. I was like, because some guy changed producer roles, and it's like, hey, you know, I always thought about this guy. I always thought about this car going from building to building. Like, let's make the craziest like, special effects scenes. That's what we should focus on. And so now, like, just to give you ideas, if I can remember all the movies, I've seen... Uh, I've seen a submarine chase, like legit submarine chase in I, 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 uh, the Fast and the Furious, Fast Furious movies. movies. So there's <laughs> a submarine chase. There's cars, fl- uh, like 150,000 dollar cars flying in Dubai Do they buildings. have Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? No, I'm talking like going between the yeah, buildings. Yeah, but I mean, like that's
1: next. That's for the next movie. They gotta have flying cars. The I DeLorean versus Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. One of the
2: coolest scenes I thought was the involvement of tech in the self starting cars. Basically, the bad guy took over. Like I think it was in Chicago, they took over all the like Uber cars or whatever, and so the, all the cars are flying out trying to stop them and trying to oh, cause oh, crashes.
1: Oh, the self-driving cars. Okay, so the, I
2: was like, man, that is really cool. And uh, there's there's another scene, a really great scene where they steal a, a a bank vault out of a basement, and they drag it throughout Rio, and it's just like crashing into buildings, and it's like a it's like a a, a vault this big. So it's—I mean—I'm telling
1: you—an 18-ton it, vault it, that it, a car's dragging. Oh, okay.
2: No, no souped-up car, man. So, <laughs> I mean, I, love, I mean, it's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever comes up with these concepts, you're like, this is really entertaining.
1: I, I'm all for the—I'm all for the movie where you turn your brain off for a couple of hours. So I'm not poo-pooing this, but the only there's a tank chase scene. There are only there's two that. film series in the universe that I did not start at the beginning with. One was the James Bond series. Okay. Obviously, uh, I, the, the first one I watched was *Live and Let Die* in the cinema. And took off from there, and the uh, Avengers movies because I watched and uh, not Endgame, the one before, it, Infinity War, mm-hmm. but at least I had working knowledge of most if not all the characters uh, th- that I, I knew I could watch it out of sequence. But other than that, I gotta watch it from the beginning. So. Well, that's what
2: that's what I love. That's what I'm saying. If you watch it from the beginning, you're be like, "How did we get here?" That's what, every time I see these movies. And I'm I would like, appreciate that.
1: And again, with the Harry Potter, that's one thing I admired about the series is that the first book is good for 10-year-olds to read. It's comparable. And as each book came out a year or so later, you know, the reader was growing with it, and the books got thicker and more death, more serious stuff, and more danger, and the books matured along with the readers. So I'm all for that, and I think, uh, you know, so watching uh, something with with Humble Beginnings, Fast and the Furious, for what it is Mm -hmm. and what it becomes, I can actually get on board with that.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's just... Because I think uh, the director of the first one was a pretty well-known a special effects director, but then he like, the second one they introduced, they kicked him off because I didn't like the, they didn't like the direction it was going. Okay. And then whoever picked up the fourth one was like, you know what? We're not even doing any of that stuff. We're doing, we're doing bank chases. We're going to, we're going international.
1: Well, it's kind of the same thing with, I loved what they did with the Mission Impossible series. Now, the first one I was not a fan of, but it was a Brian De Palma movie, but it was filmed like a Brian De Palma movie. You know, uh, what they call Dutch angles, where the camera starts going slightly sideways to show somebody's off their game, and you find out that the good guy for 30 years of real time was really the bad guy. That's like making Kirk a Romulan agent. You just you just ticked off your, your base yeah. with that. But then the second movie was John Woo. And so it was filmed like a John Woo movie. You know, slow motion, the white dove, two guns, bam, blam, blam. blam. And the third movie is, you know, each time there's a different director, it, the movie was done in the style of that director. The third movie was J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. And so you had the lens flare and the, the shaky handheld. That stylistically was 180 from the first movie, but it fit the director. And as it progressed, now I think I'm like I'm behind a movie or so on it, but I, I really appreciated that. The, don't give it to a different director and say, this is your template. You must follow it. And that was kind of a problem I had with the Harry Potter movies. They would give it to different directors. And it's like, but you don't want big changes. This is a single story being told.
3: Yeah, you know,
2: the color palette changed every movie. Yeah. So I thought that was really weird. I was like, man, something's going on in the wizard world.
1: <laughs> Something rotten in the state of Hogwarts. But yeah, you should check it out. Fast
2: and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw,
1: a whole new Calvin universe. and Hobbs and
2: Shaw. It's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, let's
1: close out the show. Dude. Okay, 10.30 on the dot. No one wanted to talk to us today, but yeah. that's okay because we love talking Cause to you. Because we'll be back uh, Wednesday. Yes, we will. Yeah. And then, uh, anything else from, for homework for listeners and stuff?
2: Don't pay attention to the news. It sounds like you're going to have a heart attack waking up every morning reading all that stuff.
1: Yeah, it doesn't help it's the first thing I do. I wake up and immediately go to the phone and, and look at the overnight news. Yeah. Yeah. All right,
2: guys. Well, uh, it's 10.30. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Don't forget we podcast and record every show. So follow us on all our social media on YouTube channel. They can skip in the mornings and all that kind of stuff. You've been listening to Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. We will see you guys on Wednesday at 9 o'clock.